Welcome to an all-new Chasing the Word series on Compassion Radio. Hello and welcome to Compassion Radio. Today we're chasing the word in the book of Jude. We've been at it now for about three or so weeks. We'll probably wrap this up in a couple more, but we're so glad to have you along with us for a deep dive into each one of the paragraphs of this very short epistle that seemed to have a lot more going on in it than we expected. Absolutely. Last week we talked about the church worship service itself and what Jude was saying was happening in these services. And one thing, I want to just touch on that before we move on to the next section, because After we did the broadcast and I was doing some more extended study to work on the study guide notes, I found that the part in verse 12, where he talks about the love feasts and the gathering together, I just thought, wow, this is the great time of fellowship they're having, but it's the Lord's Supper. It's their their sharing communion together. And either they started their bigger meal with the love feast or they did as part of the service and then continued on to the table to have their dinner because the Passover was many courses over the period of a nighttime. So they would have thought about it being kind of a multi-course meal. Yeah, but not all churches that we know of celebrate the Lord's Supper every week. Now, the church that you and I attend does, but many don't. The church that I grew up in did not. Mm. And so it was like a special Sunday every quarter or every couple of months or something like that, that we would do the Lord's Supper. Yeah, it was a ceremony that actually has a script to it. That one does the same thing every time, pretty much the same way. Right. And a potluck was a potluck. So they weren't ever in my growing up or my church history combined. Right. So this, I didn't really understand what that And who meant. knows how the traditions might have been different in yeah. Thessalonica versus in Galatia and all the different churches and, and cultures that would have been incorporating this new sense of God's presence right there in the meal yeah. as being part of their tradition and the way they would handle meals in their own idiom. I mean, yeah. every country has got a different schedule for when they do breakfast, lunch, dinner, the things they would eat at different meals. Obviously, they're going to have a different sense of what a love feast would be. But yet, being instructed about something that goes above all of that, Jesus Christ himself, let him be the good meal. Right. I think the reason that it struck me was because, for one thing, it's not part of my tradition. And Mm -hmm. so it was a different take on the scripture for me. But when I thought about it that way, for me, it had a weightiness to it that I didn't necessarily see before. And so I'm thinking that's why Jude is so adamant about this, because this is a sacred time, a sacred service of worship having the Lord's Supper together, and these people are defiling it by just... Yeah, defile is a good word for uh, it. ...feeding themselves instead of their spirits. He would have taken very seriously Mm -hmm. the kind of worship that happens in synagogue, the kind of worship that happens in temple. Historically, what the people of Israel would have been expected to do, but also the gravitas of it, the gravity, as you said earlier. There's something about those elements that are just so serious that Jew does not want to see people be flip about it or be disrespectful, even unintentionally. Mm -hmm. He wants them to know why they're there. I think it's appropriate that we talk again and often about how important the elements are to include in our worship. Jews also seeing that the holiness, the set-apartness of this worship and this place that we would call the church now Mm -hmm. is something really special and unique, and it ought not to be treated lightly. All of it is set apart for holiness. The entry, the call to worship, the experience of the Word of God, the prayers together, and then the Lord's Supper, and the meal that followed. All of that for him was set apart and holy. The family is coming together to celebrate and to live and love together. 
And when people are messing with that, yeah, he takes offense. So let's pick it up in verse 16, and we'll talk about more of those characteristics of the people who have snuck in that don't really want to follow the Lord's teaching or the apostles' teaching. They want to make Jesus work for them. Well, starting in verse 16, these men, talking about those in the church that have been disrupting, these men are complainers who look long and hard to find the faults of other men. They are led by their own lustful desires, like fools down the path of destruction. They're arrogant liars who want only to get ahead of others. But you, friends, remember the words of the emissaries or the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, the liberating king. At the end of time, some will ridicule the faithful and follow their lust to the grave. These are the men among you, those who divide friends, those concerned ultimately with this world those without the Spirit. But you, my friends, keep on building yourselves up on your most sacred faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that he finally gets around to really, again, focusing on the good ones. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you were wanting to see your church flourish. You want to see them become more and more like Christ and have the kind of power that you have heard about. The stories the apostles themselves have told you about what it was like to walk with Jesus. You want that where you are. Yeah. And yet it doesn't seem to be happening. And then you hear this very long diatribe from an apostle saying, this has gotten into your midst. It's a cancer on you. It's a mold on your love feet. It's all these things. And you need to deal with it. Mm -hmm. That would have hit heavily, I would think, on the average congregation. They may know farewell what he's talking about or clueless. Either way, it would be just a gut-wrenching realization that we're being called to something that we have not taken care of or that we have not allowed God take care of. Right. It would have been, I would think, emotionally shattering. Jude turns right back around and says, please don't misunderstand me. You guys, the ones that are hearing this and giving an ear to what God has to say, Mm -hmm. you are like. And then he tells what they are and you can be counted on that God loves you and he's standing with you. All those kind of encouragements. But man, the hammers fly on one side and the arms wrapping around them on the other. Yeah. So it seemed like in some ways, emotionally, Jude is practically a madman. (laughs) Or like Jesus ripping through the temple with a whip. Yeah. There's something about the passion that's almost wild. Yeah, well, Jesus did flip tables for sure. So I think his brother Jude is about that in this letter to his friends, and he calls them his friends, and he's very passionate about them. And he just says, remember the words of the Mm. apostles. Remember how they talked about there's going to be people who are going to come in here and Try to divide you and divide friends. Mess with your mind. Mess with you. Yeah. yeah they're they're going to divide friends and they're just concerned about the world. They don't care about what the Spirit says. But you remember that you used to. Remember that you did and keep on pursuing the things of the Holy Spirit. And he's addressing them in a way that only looks at and looks forward from the time they came into Christ. Mm -hmm. So even Jude, as legalistic as it may sound, the way he's talking about how important it is to keep the rules and get things right, he's not looking at his children, his nieces and nephews in the faith all across the Roman Empire as people who were steeped in sin and needed to be corrected or Mm -hmm. admonished or shamed. He's not doing any of that to them. In fact, you don't even see him even look at them like they had previously done these things. Right. They may very well have been those kind of people before. And Paul does talk to other congregations in his epistles about, you came out of this stuff. Why mm-hmm. do you keep going back to it? But for this letter, Jude is talking to these people, thinking about them as they are in Christ. He's got mm-hmm. the vision that Christ would have mm-hmm. and does have for yeah. his body. 
He's not looking for fault because he's already taken care of those things which would cover us and keep us from getting to him. So I think yeah. Jude is in the same frame. These people are all in Christ. He's talking about those who pretend on the outside mm-hmm. and doubly damn themselves because they're not just not believing. They're not just not following. They're willfully trying to get you not to as well. Yeah, but it sounds like they were in. They were already in the group or they were coming into the group so that they were maybe part of the diaspora, but had moved from the synagogue now to the believing body. We're probably talking more about the synagogue. And yes, I think he's talking about people who have been clawed by their legalism and their understanding of scriptures or have been getting their ear bent by people back in the synagogue before they stepped over to join this other group backsliding, you might say, back into a lot of really bad habits of judging others, or they're just not really in, they never really got it, but they claim to have a place here. And she was saying, just because you say you belong here doesn't mean you belong here or that you really belong to him. But he's also hinting all the way along there that when it comes time to forgive, to turn the needle for other people, to lead them back to faith, mm-hmm. bring them back. Don't keep them out. Don't judge them for having judged you. That's a tough one, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, honey, why don't you read from the edition that that you worked on? And that is available on our Compassion Radio website with these Bible studies. If you'd like to read another way through modern English on Jude, we encourage you to read it with your other translations. And just spend time with the questions that come out of these things that we put in another Bible study document every week. So each week's program could be a standalone Bible study you could do with friends. Here goes in verse 16 again. Even in their quiet moments, they murmur false accusations. They complained constantly. Soon the pompous boasts will boot right back up again, drowning out civilized discussion. They really can't talk well about anyone but themselves. Mm. But you, my friends, I have high hopes that you will be able to hang on to the apostles' teaching about our Lord and Savior. Now, they told you all along that the scoffers were coming, and lately there's no denying that they're out there, working hard to satisfy their own selfish, ungodly desires. Worse, now they're inside the camp. Even when they're with you, they can't see how dead their souls are, how separate from the living spirit. But you, I'm so glad to know there's room for the spirit at the center Mm -hmm. of your lives. You're building each other up in faith, praying real prayers the way God has been stirring in your hearts. You know, I think all of us know people or have known people in a church that are always complaining about something going on in the church, always complaining about something that the pastor said or a song that was sung Mm -hmm. or a comment that was made. And they're complaining, even making false accusations about some people in leadership, maybe, you know, maybe stirring things up a little bit. Implying that they had bad motives. Yeah, and maybe wanting to promote themselves. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. 
We have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine. And I beg of you, send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. I think all of us know people or have known people in a church that are always complaining about something going on in the church, always complaining about something that the pastor said or a song that was sung Mm -hmm. or a comment that was made. And they're complaining, even making false accusations about some people in leadership, maybe, you know, maybe stirring things up a little bit. Implying that they had bad motives. Yeah. And maybe wanting to promote themselves, you know, to yeah. a, to another position. They feel like they're getting the kind of recognition yeah. that they deserve. Jude is addressing that. Jude is reminding them, hey, look for these people that you know are in your congregations. They're inside the camp, yeah. as you put it here. So be looking out for these people. It never stops with stuff. Complainers will always work their way down to being angry at or looking down upon or judging people. Mm -hmm. Anything that a scoffer or a complainer will talk about will eventually get around to somebody. Yes. And it's going to be a personal attack eventually because, I don't know, it's something about the nature of complaining spirit that it just doesn't value the other. Yeah. And eventually the attack will keep getting more and more personal because they're the ones causing me this pain or this this unease in my life. You're responsible for doing this thing which bothered me. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if you're not going to stop it, you got to feel the same pain I feel. I think people have that kind of underlying spite. Yeah. And it's more than just being upset about something or complaining. I think it works its way deep into our hearts. Well, it just kind of starts to rot from the inside out. Well, let's talk about rotting from the inside out for a second. (laughs) What does that really mean? Does it mean that it's an active process or that it was neglected and things just died there? I mean, we're talking Mm. about a metaphor. So what does it mean to rot from the inside out when it comes to spiritual life? Well, honey, we talked a few weeks ago on Compassion 360 about holding on to that bitterness and not letting things flow through you. Situations, bad situations, hurtful situations go through you with an open mind and open heart. Mm. When we don't do that, when we keep ourselves closed and tightly wrapped up and not open to hearing from other people, even in encouragement, those things settle in us and they do sit and make us sick. Mm. They literally make us physically sick. One of the gals that I talked about was saying that when it gets inside your system, it literally starts to form bacteria because it's breaking down cells because of the acids and the yeah. just all of the turmoil. The stuff your own mind is pouring into your bloodstream. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so your body is literally trying to fight against that, but it's hurting itself. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what bitterness is like. We yeah. take something in and we just leave it in there and we let it sit and stew and fester. And you can think about what that means. And that's going on with this spirit of complaining and scoffers, they say here, and people that try to turn one against the other. It just begins to fester. And so it does rot you then from the inside out. I think about having a disease like that or an infection or something. Those are the kind of things where the whole body is going to feel this. You can't help but know what's going on in you. Like having an ulcer. I think an ulcer is probably a very good analogy for the body Mm. that these kind of things are. 
they, like an acid, eat at you from the inside out. And it's going to cause injury. And you're going to know it. There's no avoiding that fact. Eventually, everybody, all the parts of the body are going to know it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jude does not leave them without hope in that, though. He doesn't <laughs> just God. tell them these are the horrible things that are happening. And these people in the camp are not your friends. They're your enemies because they're trying to promote themselves. How sweet they talk. And they're not praying in the spirit. They're not listening to the spirit. And, and Jude encourages his friends. He says, you, my friends, I have high hopes for you. I know that you can hang on. He's encouraging them. He's telling them, you can do this. I'm glad that you have left room for the Spirit. You have done that. And hang on to the Spirit's teaching. Hang on to the teachings of the apostles that you remember. And build each other up in the faith. Pray real prayers in the Spirit. Real prayers. And you and I have talked about this over the years. What is a real prayer? Mm -hmm. How do you know it got across the heart of God? How do you know that God heard you? We've talked about a lot of the qualifications of prayers. We've even done some studies on this on the air over the years. You know, it really always comes down to, is it the truth about what you believe? Because even if you're wrong about something and you tell God what you're really thinking or what you're really believing, he will say, the words I just heard out of your mouth and the thing I see in your heart are connected. Mm -hmm. Yes, you've told me the truth about what you believe. God can work with that when we're telling the truth. Now, we may be wrong about our assumptions, we may be wrong with our conclusions, but we have to be honest about mm -hmm. what we're really thinking or feeling. We give lip service to the things that God says he wants, but we don't really mean it. We start talking about forgiveness and prayers, and we don't have it in our hearts to do it. How can God look at your lips and your mind and your heart and say, oh, sure, which, which one do I pick now? Mm -hmm. What you say or what you feel? He's going to go with the gut, the person on the inside that's speaking loudly by not saying anything. Yeah. You and I have seen in our lives where things are in alignment when we've been honest with God, even if it's an ugly prayer. We talked about that this morning with our son after church, because one of the scripture readings today was from the Psalms, where David a was, Psalm, was yeah. pouring out his heart of anger and indig indignation against someone and you know, wanting God to destroy them. And our son, who is 13, was sitting there with his eyes wide open, and he was just like, Oh, just shaking his head. No, no. So after church, I said, you know, that psalm was kind of a rough psalm today. Mm -hmm. And I said, but think of it this way, that David especially was so honest with God. And this is him being honest about things. And I said, you can't tell me that there's never been a time that you have wanted to shake your fist at the air and tell God to squash somebody because you're <laughs> mad at them, you know? And he's like, well, I don't know, you know? And I said, but God's okay with that. God can work with that because it's honest. It's he can work an honest with a, with a prayer. prayer that's honest. Right. He can work with an honest prayer. Not with the demand that no. he goes squash people. No, but God is able to hear those prayers in the spirit that they are given. Yeah. In the spirit that they are prayed. He knows that our hearts are just writhing in pain and they're being honest. And so he hears those prayers, I believe. And I think that we can know that, like you said, it's because the honesty lines up. It's, yeah. it's an honest place, and it's a place of releasing to the Lord. And we don't tend to ask for something in prayer honestly if we really don't believe God's going to answer it. Yeah. That would be lie the lie. You know, we would both see it. God and us would look at it and say, we're praying for something we don't really believe is going to happen. And God says, if you can't believe, I can't deliver. I know it's a, mm, a weak theological yeah. point right there, but I'm not trying to say it's always the case that there's like a law here. but. I sense that 
we sense from God's mouth to our ears. Why should I even start that if it's not even what you really want? Mm-hmm. Why would I expend the wealth of my storehouses on something that you're going to trash or disregard or not honor? Why would God build something for us that we're going to throw away? Mm. I don't think he does, but I do think he does build things or present opportunities to build things that others might destroy, knowing full well that there'll be destruction along the way, that not everything's going to make it. Mm-hmm. I know it's also a very weak analogy here, but even think about the stock market as a person, you know, not everything's going to be a winner. And if you're going to be an investor in the stocks over time, you have to just plan to put it where you believe it should be. And some of those things are going to grow in value. Some may not. But on the whole, if we do it wisely, the sum total, the return of my investment is going to be big. Mm -hmm. You know, God does talk about his investment in us. He invests in us one at a time, but he's also investing in his family and his kingdom. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he expects a return. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that I can sometimes sit before God and not have a clue about what I'm even praying, but I just know I need to be still before him. I know that I just need to sit in a quiet space with God and invite him into that space. You and I talk about this a lot, about asking God what he wants us to know asking God what he wants us to hear and to pray. Mm-hmm. And I think he loves that. I think he loves to hear from his children in that way. I mean, we know as parents, when our kids come to us, one of our daughters came to us this week and said, I have this opportunity and I just don't know what to do. And I just need to hear from the two of you what you think about this opportunity. And so we were able to talk through some things with her. And no, we didn't tell her what to do or what decision to make. We probably made it harder on her. Maybe. <laughs> By giving her more options than she was hoping but for. She, but she wanted to hear from us. Yeah. And she knew that she could come to us and talk to us and just pour her heart out to us. And that's how God is. He is eager to hear from us. And he may give us a few different options to choose from in the process of making a decision over something. But... We can always know, like our daughter knew, that it comes from a pure love for them mm-hmm. and for us. For we know that about God. Yeah. Oh, to come around to those kind of thoughts at the end of every one of our Jude programs. That mm. It's not about wrath. It's about the love of God here. Absolutely. And we hope to zero in on a big finale of that on next week's Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word on the Book of Jude. Thanks for joining us today, mm-hmm. and we'll see you tomorrow on the next Compassion Radio. I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you
Many of you have given in the past, and that's why you're hearing my voice today. With so much changing in technology and culture, we need you more than ever, so please keep on with us. Maybe even consider a monthly gift of any size through our vision team. If we could find 200 more partners this year, that could be individuals, study groups, churches, or even like-minded businesses anywhere in this country who would be willing to commit just an average of $50 a month we could guarantee our operating and project budget for 2022 and 2023. Thanks for joining us today. We're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. Bless you, friends, for your brave and activist faith. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.